to discover means to kind of like remove the cover, so to speak. And so what I'm wanting to do is I wanted to talk for a few minutes about a guy um, who I think a lot of us are like within the Bible. And this guy discovered who Jesus was. He kind of, he uncovered, he revealed himself or revealed to himself or simply he just became really obedient and looking after and looking for a relationship with Jesus. And this guy's name was Jarius. All right. That's who we're going to talk about for the next several minutes here. He was a guy who discovered Jesus for himself. You know, uh, the other day I was, um, I was talking to actually Karen uh, in the office. I think it was Thursday. And I said, you know what? This, this message that I'm feeling right now is just, it's on my mind heavy. You know, it's been on my mind all week and I've been extremely excited about sharing this message. And I said, you know, it's funny, I was getting ready for the day and, and oftentimes, believe it or not, pastors, we kind of practice our message, all right? We do. If you got a thought going through your mind, especially with me, because I've told you guys how I, I prepare for these messages. It's about, you know, six o'clock in the morning. I'm up before everybody else is. And that's my study time. That's my alone time. I have no other distractions around me. So I, the thoughts were heavy on me, all right, that morning, Thursday morning. And I remember, and, and you know, people, you, you think somebody is crazy if they talk to themselves, right? You're like, wow, that person, they're losing it. Some of you talk to yourself. Did anybody talk to themselves? You're crazy. Every one of you, you're crazy, right? I mean, think about this. Some of the best conversations you have are with yourself anyway, right? All right. So anyway, so here I was. I was in the bathroom, and I'm sitting there. I'm getting ready. I'm brushing my teeth, and, and I'm brushing my teeth. And you ever try to talk to somebody while they're brushing their teeth? You know, and I'm thinking, good thing my wife's working right now because she'd probably be like, what is he speaking in tongues in there? Or what's he doing in the back? You know, as I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm giving the word in the mirror to the toothpaste. And I thought to myself as I walked out, I wonder if that toothpaste got saved. Because that was a good word. Anyway, so we're going to talk about this guy named Jarius for these next few moments. And in this story, I think there's some really cool ideas and thoughts and principles that we can kind of relate to. So let's go right into the scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So we can understand something about Jesus right now. He's kind of like at the peak of his ministry. If you were here Wednesday night, you understand that what I was talking about a little bit in my message was there are seasons where Jesus was kind of like in the prime of his ministry. All right. In other words, it was going. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was full-fledged. There was no waiting for him to be sent out. There was no. He was right in the thick of it. Okay. So Jesus is in the peak of his ministry, so to speak, at this time. Everything's going great. He's got crowds, multitudes, lots and lots of people following him. All right, let's pick up verse 22. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, if you got your notes there, number one, Jairus, we, we, we know this about him. We know that Jairus was a successful guy. Now, the Bible says that he was a synagogue leader, and typically when you think of that, you're probably thinking he's some type of religious leader, okay? That's, that's the way our minds think, but not necessarily, all right? 
In these days, the synagogues weren't merely just a religious powerhouse, but they were also considered to be a political arena, so to say. So Jesus, or excuse me, Jairus rather, was this man that we're going to talk about in this story. And if this was in our day and age, he would definitely be considered as a successful man. Maybe his job was something sort of a city official or some type of a government official, but this guy was, I think it's safe to say he was probably well-to-do. He probably was held in high prestige. He was probably an individual that everybody knew his name. They kind of, they wanted, either they had a relationship with him or they wanted to have some type of relationship with him. So this guy was pretty popular. Now let's move on into scriptures. Verse 23 goes on to say that he pleaded earnestly with him. And this is what he said. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed, what? And live. So this brings us to our second point here, and that's this. Jarius had a need that drove him to want to discover Jesus. Can you imagine, I love the, the words here in the scriptures where it says earnestly. What does that really represent? There was a passion. This was an emotional moment for him. Typically, if you want something that you want to obtain, it's got some type of value to you. Oftentimes, we obtain things that we are not seeking, and at least in the beginning, there's no value to it. But when you are looking for something, right, when you are going after a particular thing, what does that thing have? It's got value. There's worth. There's something in it that has got an emotional attachment to you. And that's where we kind of find Jarius in this moment. The Bible says that what he was earnestly pleading, he pleaded earnestly to who? Jesus, he's saying, my little daughter is what? Dying, please come. So we have words here of emotion, strong emotion. Closeness to him. There's value in this little girl for him. But we understand that what was Jairus? He was successful. But he had a need in his life. He had everything going on up into this moment where something was out of his control. He finally comes to the place where he realizes there's nothing else that I can physically do to help my daughter. Chances are, He's probably taking his daughter to doctors, if not multiple doctors, trying to find a reason to bring about whatever cure was needing to be done. But we find this man, Jarius, who is a synagogue leader. He's, he's a public figure within his community. And he's in a desperate, desperate time. It's easy for us to look through the Bible and find similar stories like this and kind of overlook them. But think of the magnitude and simply how desperate this man Jarius was. We know that what? He was a success. People probably envied him, thought highly of him, wishing they could be like him. But he's in a desperate situation. I wonder, and the thought that kind of crosses my mind is, can you relate to anything like that? 
I think possibly there could be people here today looking at life and envying others and watching others and thinking that they have everything together. I wonder if there's people today who have come through these doors where others are watching them and thinking, I wish my family could be as well-to-do as that family is. It looks like they have it all together. Look, their kids are getting along. I wish my kids could get along like their kids do. I see the type of vehicle they've driven in, and I wish that we could have that. I wish we could have that financial stability. I wish we could have that closeness that maybe they are having. That's probably the view that many people see this man Jarius at. People looking with an envious spirit about them going, I wish we could be like that. But you know what? They don't know what he was going through personally. Just as we don't know what each one of us in our lives is going through either. God uses a need in this moment in Jarius' life in order to drive him to him. Not necessarily that God's created this need, but God is using something that is very unfortunate in order to bring this man to what? Discover Jesus. He's probably heard stories of Jesus. He's, he's had to have. Why else would he be seeking after him? This is where Jarius finds himself. That there is a need that he is carrying that is far more larger and bigger than he is. Something which is out of his control. Something that he can no longer manage. He's an emotional person right now. He's in a time of desperation. He's pleading Pleading to Jesus. Verse 24. I love this. He's having a conversation. He's asking, please, Jesus, come. My daughter's dying. What is verse 24 going to say? So Jesus went with him. Number three. Jarius came to discover what Jesus was all about. He had heard stories about Jesus. He had heard teachings that were different than any other what many considered as prophets or scholars or theologians, Pharisees, Sadducees, different teachings that this man Jesus was bringing. And with this man Jesus, something was happening to everyone who was around him. Things were changing. His presence was making things become different. So Jairus is falling at Jesus' feet and he's saying, come, will you come with me? I need you to come to my family. I need you to come to be with my daughter, to come to my house. She is dying. He's passionate in this moment about discovering who Jesus is. What is amazing to me is about this passage is that in his desperate plea, the Bible simply tells us that what? So Jesus went with him. I've, I've learned this and I hope that you have within your life. And you know what? I don't know what everyone's situation is here this morning. I, I get lots of phone calls. I get ideas of what people are going through. Some people are very good at keeping it quiet. You don't even share it with me. But I can't help but to think of the many needs that are represented just within this local body. And I think to myself, if we would look to discover who Jesus is truly within our lives, Will we find him? Will he follow us 
to our home? Will he follow us into that desperate need and that desperate situation? I don't see a moment there within scripture where it says that Jairus had to accept Jesus. It says simply what? He went to him and he pleaded. He said, please, my daughter is dying. I need you to come to my house. And what did Jesus do? He went with him. What does that teach me? That when we seek, when we go to look for, we always find Jesus. He never turns us down. He never gets to the point, I'm too busy, I don't have time right now. He never gets to the point, I have extended so much grace and so much mercy in your life that it's ran out. No. That whenever we seek after Jesus, in any situation that you may be in, you'll find him. He will show up. Now let's move on in the scripture. Uh, Verse 24 says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. That's, that's impressive by itself, is it not? I mean, this man is making a difference. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is attractive. I'm not talking about in a physical manner. I'm talking about in the sense that people want to be around him. Wherever Jesus goes, we see within the Bible that there's a crowd, there's a multitude. They're either loving him or they're hating him. But wherever he goes, people are following, are they not? I love that about him. All right. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now watch this. Verse 25. If I was Jerry's, this is where I would be getting a little bit ticked off, by the way. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Remember that mark, 12 years. Okay, it's very important for you to remember that for later on. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. So here we got, we've got Jerry's. He's come to Jesus. He's sought after Jesus. He's heard of his teachings. He's heard of how he's healed people's lives, the miracles that have taken place. He's very passionate. He's very emotional. And he's coming to Jesus. Jesus, follow me. You got to come to my house for my dying daughter. Jesus goes, okay, we're going with him. And as Jesus is moving, he's got an entourage, right? He's got a massive amount of people that follow. And now all of a sudden, here's this woman. Pops in. She's got an issue of blood. Says for what, 12 years. She's been under the great deal of stress probably and frantic and she's, she's in a desperate moment. And in fact, I would say she's probably in the lowest moment of her entire life. Probably extremely weak, physically almost unable to move, but she makes every effort and it says under the care of many doctors and she had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I could be very frustrated. I couldn't imagine the emotion that was going through her. Almost the the sense of desperation and just throwing up my hands and going, you know what, I just can't deal with this anymore. I don't know what else to do. What, Jesus? Who's this Jesus? He's done what? Might as well give it a try. Watch this. Jarius and Jesus are what? They're headed to his house to take on this little girl, but now this woman enters The picture in verse 22. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. And the Bible says, and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Look, she's even to the point, I don't need his attention. I don't don't need his attention. All I need to do is just touch something that's been around him. And it's going to change my life. Think about this for a second. 
We as the body of Christ, as followers of Christ, who do we have dwelling with inside of us? Jesus himself. And if this woman, who doesn't need to even physically touch him, just touch his clothes, has faith that she could be healed, imagine the impact that you can have within your family, within your friendships, within your circle of influence, and how people's lives could be changed. Are we representing who Jesus is? All right. Verse 29. Immediately, it says, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. And he, re- and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Now, Jesus has recognized something's happened here. It said that there was multitudes around him. That there was many, many people, a large crowd around Jesus. And I'm sure if, if you've ever been any, to any sporting event or any concert event, when you're surrounded with a large crowd, what is happening? People are touching you. They're bumping into you. Things are happening, right? Imagining in this moment that Jesus is in the same situation where there's a large crowd around him as he's traveling to Jairus' house. Because Jairus, let's not forget who he is now. He's in a very tough situation. He's in a desperate moment. He's discovering Jesus right now. All right? And, and he's asked Jesus, Jesus, you got to come. you got to touch my little girl. you got to come. You've got to, you come, everything gets different. Remember, wherever God's presence is, what? Everything changes. And Jairus is discovering this. He's heard about this. He wants to firsthand experience it now. So he's got Jesus going, and all of a sudden, this woman shows up. Now, have you ever been in such a desperate moment where, you know, it didn't stop. We've got to get to point, from point A to point B. Nothing can interrupt me. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody made like that? Because I am, right? I, if I got somewhere I got to be, and it's extremely important, don't distract me. I got to go. I'm pretending that Jerry's has my type of attitude, all right, in this moment. Look, Jesus, we got to go. We've got to move, right? He's probably grabbing him by the hand. Now, I don't know if he is or not, but, you know, we've got to go. And all of a sudden, here comes this woman and gets right in the middle of it and interrupts Jerry's plan. Woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years. All these people around bumping into Jesus. And Jesus is like, what? Wait, wait a minute. Who touched my clothes? Who, who touched me in this moment? Watch the disciples' response. I love it. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me? Like, really? You really want to know who? How? I don't know, Jesus. He touched you. She touched you. This, I think I touched you. Right? But Jesus kept looking around. To see who had done it. This time, it was different. This time, the touch that happened, something came from me. There was a healing effort that came out. There was a virtue that came out of me that doesn't just happen here and there. Only when it's special. Only when someone is truly seeking 
and looking and in that desperate situation. And this is where we find that lady. Verse 33, it says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. In other words, what? It was me. I'm the one, Jesus, who touched you. And he goes on to say in verse 34, he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus doesn't meet this person who is desperate with anger. He doesn't meet this woman in frustration. The woman sought out Jesus and he met her where? In her need. And he says, go, go in hope. Go in freedom. We have another instance here. In one story, two separate occasions where someone was looking to discover Jesus, was seeking after him. And in both aspects, maybe in a different relatable way, but what did Jesus do? Follows them both. Takes care of them both. Now, Jerry is uh, finally Jesus. That's over with. Can we now move on? Can we now get back to what I need you to do? Watch this. Jesus is supposed to be going to take care of this little girl, but now this other situation has arisen. It says this, this woman, what, has cut in line over Jairus. It's as if, well, Jesus, you were doing something great in me. All of a sudden you stop and you're doing something great in somebody else. Have we ever been there before? Have you ever felt that in your personal life? Where, man, you were doing things great for the Lord. It was, the relationship was strong. And all of a sudden you see somebody else getting blessed. And it feels like, well, wait a minute. That should, that should be my blessing. God, God, why are they getting that? I need that. Do you not see my need, Jesus? Do you not see? I came to you first. I was first in line. I'm the one who pleaded and earnestly sought you. I just didn't touch you. I asked first. Here we go. Number four, discovering Jesus often involves, watch this, a detour. A detour within our faith. We're cruising along with Jesus. We're tracking in what? God's direction. And all of a sudden, something happens to bring a distraction or what we would consider a screeching halt in our spiritual movement. Putting yourself in Jerry's shoes for a minute. How frustrated must he have been his little girl is dying, but Jesus wants to go, who touched me? Do you know how many precious seconds went away or possibly minutes, Jesus, in that moment when all you wanted to know was who touched me? Just because Jesus, here you go, here's a bullet point for you. Watch this, I love it. Just because Jesus isn't working in your timetable doesn't mean he's not working. In this moment, in this story, progress is being made. Maybe not the way Jarius was hoping or was wanting it to be made. But for Jarius, and maybe for some of us, sometimes it feels like we're being stuck. Standing off, watching others receive the blessings. Blessings that maybe we feel like that should have been intended for us. I want to say that again. Jesus isn't working in your timetable. That doesn't mean he's not working. This woman cuts in line. And Jairus is standing there knowing that the clock is ticking. Now watch this, verse 35. 
While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Could you imagine that emotion for a moment? Try to put your sho- yourself in, in his shoes, Jarius, for that moment. Jesus, I came to you first. I came to you. I need you to do something. And we were on the way. Everything was looking good. Jarius was having hope. He wasn't quite sure maybe who this guy was yet, but things happen when this guy enters the picture. So, hey, let's give it a shot. He's feeling good about it. And what happens? This woman gets in and interrupts. Do you know sometimes that your influence on how Jesus is moving within your life impacts other people? Think for a second. If Jairus would have never sought after Jesus, would this woman ever had the opportunity to have to fight through the crowd to touch the hem of his cloak or his garment or his coat or whatever, his robe, so that she could be healed. I sit there and, and I was, as I was reading this, pondering, and I've done it many times as I've read this passage before, and I thought if Jarius didn't do what he did first, would it have followed to her? I guess we'll never know that. But I think the point that I'm trying to get at is, look, Don't stop seeking after God and Jesus in every of your life situations because you never know the impact that it could have on other people. You don't know the impact of how someone, you know, I can't help but to say, you know what, Jerry's, you got to get, I think Jerry's gets a little credit here for this, for this nice healing for this lady. Because if he didn't do what he did, would she have ever had that opportunity? Are you following me on that? Now, number five. Things can go bad from worse. So here, Jarius is at a crossroads and a dilemma. He's a successful guy who has a legitimate need, need that drives him to discover who Jesus is. Initially, everything is looking good. Everything is looking in his favor. Jesus is going to go to his house. He's going to take care of this. But again, this woman interrupts it. Her miracle takes precedence over his need in that moment. Imagine the emotion possibly that Jarius had felt, the state of mind that maybe he was in. Standing next to Jesus, probably thinking, what are you doing? You missed out on this one. How could you, Lord, how, Jesus, could you have failed me in this moment? Mm. Many times we kind of take on that outlook of, God, if you don't show up in this matter quickly, I'm done. I'm out. Some of you have been tempted possibly to walk away. You've been tired. You're worn out. The problem doesn't seem to be getting better. It just seems to be getting worse. The relationship, the marriage is getting tougher. The physical need is there. The financial need is there. I'm not seeing you answer this, Jesus. Right when I think that it's coming together, all of a sudden something happens and then I don't see you anymore. Where are you? Jesus, you missed out. You're missing out in this moment. You could have really done something in my life. But instead you choose to bless somebody else. 
You know, what's so easy for us to get this story is that we get to read it and not experience it. We know what happens at the end of it. And we're going to get into it. If you don't, you're going to find out in a few minutes anyway. But we don't always know sometimes is what's going on in our minds when we're going through these struggles. Sometimes when we're in the heat of that moment, we don't want to hear this story because that seems like a fairy tale. That seems like a moment where that, that's just, how in the world does that happen? Why does it not happen in my life? Why do I not see God moving like that in my life? Why is it every time I see a need within my life and then I, I go to God about it and, and next thing I know, I, I throw my hands up and go, God, where are you? I don't see you fitting this. I don't see you working in this. I don't see your hand in this. We could all probably say we've been there. Unfortunately, there could be some of you this morning saying, I'm right there right now. I'm only here today because I have to be, or I'm supposed to be. Let's move on. There's a dilemma here. What I want you to understand is this. Don't make Jesus' silence, don't mistake, excuse me, Jesus' silence for his absence. Jesus might have been silent in the moment, but he was never absent from it. He was there the entire time. Now watch this, verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Well, that's very nice of you, Jesus. That's easy for you to understand. The reality of the situation, Lord, is that she is dead. And you want me, what, to just relax and just believe? How can I relax when my marriage is falling apart? How can I relax when the finances are all messed up? How can I relax with spiritually? I just can't seem to feel you. How can I relax when all my friendships continue to break apart? How, Jesus, am I supposed to relax when the tension is real and it's hard? How am I supposed to relax in this moment? Simply because he says, believe in me. Just believe. Watch this. Verse 37 goes on to say, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother, uh, and, the, and John, the brother of James. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second because watch this. What was following him before? A large crowd. This man had a need and a large crowd was following. Try to stay with me here, please. And when things weren't working out for him, and he was in a, maybe a moment of desperation, and the bad news comes to Jarius, and it can't get any worse than that, can it? For this man in the story, it cannot get any worse than it is in this moment. And Jesus' words are just, relax, just believe in me. And the scripture says, so he did not let anyone else follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Why is that? Because Jesus understood this. I need to shrink this circle of influence right now. Because everything, other, all the other relationships that are barking in this man's ear are toxic. They're trying to cause separation from what I need him to do, and that is just believe in me. Some of you right now, Within the situations that you may be living in, in this moment, you need to separate yourself from some of these relationships. 
just as Jesus in that moment, and Jesus is what? Hello, he's the savior. He's the king of kings. He's the master. He's majestic. He's all powerful. He's all of this. And yet he still had to what? Separate the crowd. Some of you, you've had people barking in your ear, giving you advice. You need to get that advice out. It's not helping. It's just worsening the situation. You're taking advice from people who are not even serving Jesus. How is that sound and godly? It is not. And watch this. The disciples were with Jesus and he still separates, what, three of them. Even the ones who are close to him, he still has to separate and handpick out of them. Love it. Y'all aren't seeing this, I am. Y'all got to wake up. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. Hello, obviously. Could you imagine everything that was going on? Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went and he said to them, why are all the commotions and wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. What does the scripture say? But they laughed at him. So what does Jesus do? He goes back to Jerry's home. All these mourners are there. They're crying. They're wailing. Jesus walks in and says, hey, just stop. She's not dead. She's just merely asleep. And they're laughing at her. Some of you may have been proclaiming your faith in a situation. And you've had people in your life rolling their eye. That's impossible. It's not going to happen. Move on. It's over. When you felt inside your spirit saying, just believe. Relax. Calm down. Ease up. Make your circle smaller. Some of these influencers no longer need to be an influence within your life. Watch what Jesus does. I love this. After he put them all out. This is another moment where Jesus had to bring separation. Another moment where Jairus' circle was large again, and now Jesus again had to go, wait a minute, we, I did it once, I'm going to do it again. you got to get these people out. you got to get them out. These people, these influencers are who, who are not giving sound advice, you got to get them out. They're not part of this plan. You've got to separate yourself from them. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? It's easy for Jairus in that moment because why? Jairus, Jesus was right there, and he said, get out. Same thing can happen within your life. Lord, take control. Weed out those you want out and keep in those you want in. Be careful because you may not like the answer you get. Be careful. It's one of those moments, be careful what you pray for because you might not like the answer. We don't always like the answer that Jesus gives, but he always gives the right thing. Every direction, every word within the Bible is truth and is right. When Jesus gets involved and if he's separating people out of your life, see ya. You're toxic to me. I love you. Jesus, I'll pray for you. I want, Lord, to move in your life. But right now, the season is you're not to be in mine. That's hard, isn't it? Because we think that we have it all under control. And that they have the sound advice and they're going to get me through this. You know, sometimes it's, it's the people who are closest to us within our home. Well, pastor, how in the world do I can't kick out them people? No, you can't. But, you know, there's this thing. 
There's this thing in my house when I have TVs on. It's called a remote control. It's got a volume button up and down. And you know it's got a more powerful button? It's called the mute. Sometimes you need to turn the volume down on some people in your lives. Sometimes you might just need to boop, mute them for a season. You know what I'm saying? I love it. All right, let's go on. After he put them out, he took the child's father, mother, and disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. Now, verse 41, he took her by the hand, and he said, Talithia kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. What does that mean? That's wake up. Now, here's what I want you to understand. It's very, very, very interesting. Verse 42, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old at this very at this, they were completely astonished. Now, this woman had an issue of blood for how many years? Twelve years. This little girl was how old? Twelve years old. What does that tell me? That means everything that Jesus does and gets involved in within your life is strategic. It doesn't just happen. Every relationship Everything you're involved in, every environment that you end up being in, Jesus works it all out. In that moment, Jarius could have been really sour before this opportunity came where Jesus actually healed this girl. He could have been sour. Many of us have been there. We've been sour. Lord, I'm not feeling you. God, I'm just not seeing you work in my life. I don't feel your touch anymore. Um, I see you working in everyone else's life, but God, you're not working in mine. I don't understand. I love the words that Jesus gave Jerry. He said, just look, look, relax and just believe in me. Just relax and believe in me. And by the way, when we do that, let me, let me rid some, that circle. Let's make that inner circle smaller. That circle of influence needs to get smaller. It doesn't mean you cut people out completely out of your life. It might only be for a season. You know, I found this interesting as Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane praying. He was there and the disciples, he went back several times to check on the disciples. What were they doing? They were sleeping. They fell asleep. Jesus was in his most desperate time. Jesus couldn't in that moment, couldn't have influence of others. Because what? We understand he was fully God, but he was also partly man. He had gone through the same things that we go through, the same emotions that we go through. And when we get into those desperate situations, what do we do? We're looking for answers. And how do we look for answers? Man, we're breaking out the cell phone. We're calling people. We're probably praying too. Okay, I'm not going to discredit you in that. But you're looking everywhere you can. You're, you're, you're looking for family. For, you're looking at coworkers. You're trying to find answers. And in that moment, while Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was looking for answers. He's like, why? Why, God, have you do, why are you allowing this for me? I, the stress, the pressure of this moment is just too great. And every time he went back to check on those disciples, what were they doing? They were asleep. Sometimes, Jesus, God allows people in your life to fall asleep for a period of time because he understands that they don't need to influence you during that season doesn't mean every relationship is bad and it's done. It just means sometimes it needs to be quieted for a moment. We understand that every time that Jesus went back to them, he pleaded, can you not just stay awake? 
Can you not just wait? I need you right now. And God the Father is saying, no, you don't. All you need is me. I'm the one. I'm the one who will give you the strength. I'm the one that's going to be your influence. I'm the one that's going to lead you through this situation, this storm. Same thing for your life. Jesus is wanting those doors, some of those doors to close. Those ones that you're putting uh, doorstops in. You want them to stay open. It's bad for you. Take it away. Let God have free reign. Let God move. You know, scripture went on. Number six, Jerry's discovered Jesus when it became personal. I, I believe today that there are many of you who your relationship with Jesus is more professional, maybe more religious, maybe more traditional. I think Jesus is trying to get us to a personal relationship. Maybe your faith has only been a religious add-on. Jesus wants your faith to be personal. Jerry's had a need and it pushed him to Jesus. What is your need today? What is the need that you have right now? I like verse 43. It says, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. It's over. Why? Jesus didn't want no praise for this. Jairus, you're the one that took the step of faith. You're the one that went after me. You're the one that discovered who I am. I just did what you wanted. The first step was actually yours, Jerry. It wasn't mine. It wasn't Jesus's in that moment. It was this man who was stepping out and seeking the one who can do anything. The one who saves all of humanity if humanity just will allow him to do so. The one who I still believe can make miracles and heal. The one who can comfort those who are just mourning and in loss. The one who was there to be that comforter, that best friend. Gosh, there's nothing like it is. I want you to stand with me this morning. Verse 36. I want to say these words again to you. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe for God to do the miraculous. Just believe for God to do what no man can do or no woman can do for your life. When God opens doors, it's right. And when he closes them, it's perfect. Let God do this in your life. I don't know what your need is today. I don't know what you've been seeking after. I don't know what you've been, uh, what's keep, keeping you awake at night. I don't know what's been weighing heavy on you, the pressure in your chest maybe, you know. I don't want to wake up today. I don't know what that is, but I, that's between you and God. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But God knows. And God wants to work. For Jesus that man coming up did not take it by surprise. No, it did not. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it. Just as he knows today. Some of you have been prolonging it way too long. All of this that I said today is meaningless if you don't have Jesus in your life as your Savior. He can't move unless you allow him to do so. 
My challenge today and my hope is that when we leave here, if there's anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, when you walk out of these doors today, you have made a commitment to him, to the Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask that question this morning. Do you know who this Jesus is? Have you accepted him in your life? Have you experienced this grace, this mercy, this compassion, this forgiveness that is being freely offered to you today? If not, all I want you to do right now, slip that hand up as a representation of saying, you know what, I want Jesus in my life today. If that's you, slip up your hand. I see that hand. I see those. That's you today, and you want Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. If you want to experience what Jerry has experienced in discovering Jesus, if you want to experience what that woman with the issue of blood experienced with discovering Jesus, first you need to accept Him as your Savior. If that's you today, raise your hand. I see that hand. All right. I want us to pray this prayer together and say it enthusiastically and boldly. Lord Jesus. Today is the day that I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sins. Wash me clean. Make me whole. I love you, Lord. Save me. Complete me, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, That is the greatest prayer that any of us could ever pray in that moment. That is the most important prayer for mankind, for humanity, is a prayer of accepting Jesus. But you know, now here we are, a room full of Christ followers, I believe, but also a room full of many needs. Many people today who are just like Jarius, just like the woman with the issue of blood, you have something pressing that's been on your mind been on your heart for a long time or maybe just a short time whatever it is it doesn't matter Jesus loves you he wants to get involved all you have to do is say I want to discover you Jesus I want to discover you I want to seek after you I want to go after you I want to long for you if that's you this morning and you've got that type of need I want you to slip your hand off I see it I see those needs more importantly God sees every hand and every heart that's represented. Let's pray over them. Father, you see the lives of your people this morning who have raised their hand. And even, Lord, the ones who haven't and the need is there. God, they, they need you to come to their house to heal this situation. Lord, they're fighting through the crowds to, to just touch the, the, the hem or the end of your cloak because their faith is so strong, Lord, that they will be healed or touched or what is so impossible will become possible and what seems to be just lost will become found. What what seems to be useless will be productive again. Whatever the need is that's represented here today, God, we want you to get involved and and understanding, Lord, it, it, it could get worse before it gets better. We're not gonna be afraid. We're gonna believe. Lord, that we're going to relax and we're going to believe in you. In you, God, to do everything according to your purpose and plan and will for every single life. So God, move. 
Move, Father, Lord, in every broken relationship. Move, God, in the financial need. Move in the medical need. Move in the spiritual need. Move in whatever the need is that's pressing so hard. Move, God, in their lives. Holy Spirit, move in every life. Don't let any life, God, in this room not go touched today. Father, touch your people in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen and amen. Here's what I want to do. There's a couple who have come to me today and they've asked for prayer. So I'm going to ask them to come down. I, I think uh, Ms. Mathard here wants some prayer. And, and we want to pray for Mr. Jacob here. So I want them to come down. And, you know, I'm going to open it up. If anybody else wants to be prayed for this morning, just come down here to the front. I'll be glad to pray with you. You can't get enough prayer, can you? And you know what's more importantly? It's when we're here in this body, please don't leave if you don't have to, so we can pray for these for a minute. But not only is there going to be one prayer, but there's going to be 150, 120, 140 other prayers being lifted up. Jesus is going to get bombarded here in just a second to take care of these needs. Amen? So I want to pray. Let's pray. Stretch your hands forward. Let's pray for these people.